Podcast. I'm Dave. I'm Rob. And I'm Richard. And having recovered from Caught in the Act, we've now got the slightly more down-to-earth episode 5, The Greenies, which was first broadcast on Sunday the 6th of December 1970 at the ungodly hour of 10.50pm on this occasion. So wow. I think very few people would have seen this the first time out. And I think very few people have probably seen it since. Absolutely. Definitely one of the, one of the rarer ones. Rob, what was your overarching opinion of this one? Um, I thought this is a bit of after the um, caught in the act. This is a much, very much a return to form. Um, a, a pretty good mix of studio and outside broadcast, with some funny gags. Um, yeah, I thought I thought it was sort of signature goodies where they sort of they go in to do something, they meet someone, and uh, and, and hijinks ensue. But it's not. It's not great. It's it's sort of it, it for me. It's that it meets that average point of, of the series. And the guest star, um, the, the fellow who plays the vicar, I thought he was okay. Uh, Richard? Yeah, look, the vicar was okay. I'm probably not as positive. Look, it was entertaining to a point. Um, it had some good moments. I didn't think it was... I must admit, I, I think it's probably the weakest of the ones we've watched. Even... Well, actually, no, I don't think it was the weakest, because I don't think you can defend the Playgirls Club. So if we take that out of the mix, I think it's probably the weakest of the, of the one, other ones I've watched, I think. Um, I don't know. It just didn't really seem to... Gel? Yeah, it doesn't gel. I mean, it has... Clearly, obviously, it shows their anti-establishment, and it's a pot shot at the army and the, the military mentality. But I just... I don't know. It was just missing... It was just missing a, that that sort of spark. I think that would have given it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think spark is a good a good word for what it lacked. I didn't struggle with it in the way that I did Court in the Act. It it certainly is quite watchable, but whilst Court in the Act, you can at least give it credit for going hard in a particular direction and and filling the thirty minutes. This to me was harmless, but it didn't have thirty minutes of plot. It was very very threadbare. I thought. I, I, I thought watching it where the vicar is describing what's going on, uh, the, the, the strange noises in the night and the figures and all that sort of thing, it was going to go in one particular direction. Yeah. It, it could have been some sort of a mystery that they had to solve or something even spookier like Cecily was intended to be uh, for next week. Um, but instead they go they go down a different path altogether. Well, whether that's a function of one of them writing one half and one of them writing the other half? No, or... I, think, I think not even that because one, one of the really big notes that I've made here is that you're right, Rob, they, they, they get to the village, or sorry, they have a little opening bit about how you can't go anywhere now because it's all polluted and that's not a bad little opening and I, mm. I thought it was going to go in one particular direction. Then they get to the village and nobody's there. Then they have a little altercation with the vicar and that's okay. Then they sort of go inside and they say, oh, we need to find out what's going on. Uh, that cuts to a very, very, very long scene of basically the... Uh, army officer just standing there telling the audience what the plot yes. is this week. So that, that very early on, they just there is no mystery, there's no sense of that. They don't really discover it in any way. They just open no, up the No, they plug, they plug Bill in and... And, uh, and just watch watch the plot beats. Yeah. And that's about it. And then they, they go in and they sneak around, they change the plans and... 
Yeah, and then there's a whole sequence at the end where they're, they're showing the army guys the, the, the playground and trying to dress it up as the missile testing range. Mm. I, I don't Doesn't know. Doesn't work? I, I, I get what they were trying to do. I just, I don't know. For me, it just didn't I, I quite was... work. Again, it was missing. It was just missing that one big, either one really big gag or... Uh, uh, I don't know, it was just missing a spark really to, to it, kick it the along. The episode peters out basically. I, I thought yeah. it was a very halfway house ending because they, they don't go down the path of having something that actually looks like a missile launch base but it actually is all the yeah. version when they get there or having something that's clearly just a playground and doesn't even pass as a missile base to try and say, oh, that is clearly a kid's slide. Oh, but it's really a missile launcher. I thought they, they, they should have gone one way or the other instead. The, the other way would have worked better if they'd actually made it look like a missile silo and it actually turns out to be a kid's adventure playground. That sort of thing, would, yeah. I think probably would have worked better. But, but we're uh, coming up against the budget, the budget at, this, at yeah. this point, I'd say. Yeah, and, and also I suspect a little bit of um, their ideas. They've obviously put a lot of effort into getting the first four going. This one perhaps was more of a struggle for them. Now, the big guest... Well, there's actually a couple of guest stars. Richard Caldicott as the Brigadier and George Benson as the Reverend, or the Vicar. Yes. Um, I thought they were okay. I, th- I thought the George Benson... Uh, was good as the Vicar. Yeah, I mean, you know... Uh, yeah, he, the, I, thought, I thought the running gag with the quoting from the quotes from the Bible it, it grew stale pretty quick. It, it did. I mean, they are all legitimate quotes mm. with, with some slight embellishment. Some slight embellishment. Bill, Bill redeems it at the end with a, with a, with a quote of his own, I yeah. thought. That's I thought. a very nice moment, actually, yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, he does the, the vicar. Then comes back with the one oh, he's just made up on the spot. Yeah. But <laughs> I, I did wonder, though, is that a reflection that in 1970 more people actually would have recognised those quotes? Not necessarily by chapter and verse, would have gone, oh yes, I know that that reference, or possibly, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Oh, well, look, I mean, we all know that back in the you know 60s and 70s, the attendance at church was, was double, like triple what it is today. Mm. Look, the vicar, he was certainly better than than the than the brigadier because he really very much just played as a military idiot. Yes. Uh, really, and there's no real... No, there's no depth to that well, well, at I'll, all. I would again argue he goes a halfway house because he doesn't go for the complete, you know, loony caricature mm. of a military officer. No, he just... Nor does he play it straight and let the script be the comedy. He kind of falls halfway. And again, yeah. that, that straddling doesn't work quite as well. No, either. no, and he, he really doesn't have a lot to do, really. Uh, there's no depth to it at all. Really? No. And then the bit at the end where they just sort of say, oh, we know you've been selling arms to the white South Africans, so we're shipping you off to the black South Africans. Yeah, that, yeah. that jarred. That, that jarred was, quite a lot. Yes. Yeah, that, that was a bit like, wow, really? Where's that come from? I don't think they even say black South Africans. I think they just say the blacks. The blacks. <laughs> uh, yes. Mm. Mm. So, yeah, look, I, I, did know, I did look up all of the quotes, and yes, they are thematically accurate. <laughs> I don't think they're word for word accurate unless there's a particularly um, no nicely written you know. no it, it's a little bit like the speech from Pulp Fiction um, yes. the, the path of the righteous man is beset I mean it, yes that passage is vaguely there in the Bible but it, it was rewritten by Tarantino for not quite the King James no, no. so the, the, the segment though that I will actually think saves the episode to the extent that it is saved that I thought was quite funny was the bit where they are sneaking around the military base because there's a lot of really good visual gags on there yes um 
you know, booby trap room, please come in. Um, <laughs> They're like, oh, and, yeah. And I did find that in this episode, the sight gags more uh, are funnier than the, the scripting, the scripted yes. dialogue itself. Especially, you know, the, they come to the door and what horrors. Uh, that, what, that, I must admit, that was quite funny. And again, it's interesting to hear what uh, 1970s audience finds amusing and clearly <laughs> toilet humour uh, is hilarious. Oh, well, toilet humour, I think, always goes over well. Mm. I, I mm. think, particularly with British audiences, I, I think. But, but this, this would still have been the time when you couldn't show it on TV. No. So it was a little bit naughty. Perhaps. Uh, did they... Wasn't there that CSO image of the toilet in the office? Yes, yes there which, is. Which gets a huge screen Yes, the exactly. Yes. Yeah, so, oh my right. God, they've gone there. They've actually shown a lavatory. Um, <laughs> um, well, look, I mean, you know, famously, I think it was 1992 when they showed a conversation in the men's toilet at Downing Street and um, to play the king. And that was a bit of a deal at the time. Mm. And on American TV, I think Babylon 5 was one of the first ones that had a conversation in the toilet. And that was, again, a bit of an, oh, they've gone really? in this ooh, direction. That's a bit, yeah. That was 96, 97. So, that's right. Um, Australia, I don't think we cared. It's strange what exercises people's minds, isn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and, and frankly, particularly for us here, because I think we had sort of outhouse humour mm. as very much a staple of Australian, yes. in, I think in, so. in inverted commas, comedy I think um, so. of that sort of era. I've kind of exhausted my general notes on this. Do you yeah. guys have any other points? Did um, anyone... Bill's song that it plays over the top, did anyone actually listen to that or have any thoughts? Because I thought it was... I mean, you know, the, the, the Need It song does get under your skin, but this one was I thought was awful. I, this one stood out as at least being different to a lot of the other ones. Uh, I think there was a message somewhere embedded in the, in the oh, lyrics. I think there is. But oh. um, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't sound very good. It's not very catchy. No, I, I certainly did notice it and said, "Oh my goodness, it's not you know, it's not needed or run or yeah, one no, the well-known ones. It's called I Don't Believe in You, and I think the lyrics are a bit you know, obviously meant to be a bit not subversive mm. or whatever, where it's you know, you're clearly buttering me up the wrong way. Yeah, but yeah. no, I didn't, didn't didn't particularly like it. I did note I made a couple of notes here. Um, there's more nudity again. This, this first series strikes me as one that's just filled yeah. with. I mean, the woman. Taking off her clothes in front of that truck. Oh, I suppose it's a device to get the boys into the truck so well, they can get into the test but site. But it's just it just the camera lingers and lingers and lingers. It, it, it does, and the whole idea that they would be distracted by that to the point yeah, that you I, could yeah. go and get the truck. But yeah, again, it's it's very obviously using the nude woman idea to yeah. To, yeah. Well, are we, we we ready for our regular segments, um, or do you have more general comments? I, I don't really have much more to say about it. I, I think. Yeah, I, I just didn't find it terribly a terribly inspiring episode, I think, no. really. A bit meh, actually. I, that's, just, a, that's a good description. I think the execution... I mean, if you're going for the satire of, you know, sort of, you know, anti-military... Well, the military didn't really strike me as being so bad that they needed... That they were deserving of the satire. We didn't see them do anything particularly bad. I, I think no. that's, that's perhaps one of the, the biggest weaknesses of it all. If you saw the military do something really bad mm. and then they had to get their comeuppance, yep. that mm. might have worked a bit better. Mm. Um yeah, I don't think they really set it up quite as well. I mean, whether Brigadier is an inoffensive buffoon, it, it just seems... Like, the whole episode seems like a wasted opportunity if you think that the military was deserving of satire at that time. Um, whether they were a bit wary, perhaps going too far? Perhaps? I don't... Yeah, possibly. Uh, I mean, well, look, given, is not... given they just don't caught in the act, I don't yeah, think... Yeah, well, it's true, or, I suppose. Or, or even where they went with the police. I mean, they, they, they didn't hold, pull their punches with the police, so... Mm. 
Well, that's true. That's true. But perhaps, perhaps that was a part of a reflection. Having having done that sort of thing with the police, mm. they wanted it to be a carbon copy with There's the military. True. Because I mean, really, the only nasty. I mean, they they they. There's the scene, obviously, where the, the military are talking about the things they've done. You know, they've blown holes in. This is the biggest hole now in England, and, mm. and this is now the second biggest hole in England, where Harrods used to be or whatever it yeah. was. And then there's the whole bit where they're, this is the really wasteland of the North of Village, so no one is interested in that, so we're not going there. Yeah. Um, and we'll do it in this nice fertile bit because we won't go in the village because that's where I live. Mm. But mm. they don't really do... There's nothing really nasty about what they no. do. No. no. So we'll move on to our regular segments. Ads. Richard, do you want to leave us on that one? There is. A, there, there are ads in this one as well. I don't know if they were in the copies you watch. Well, if you describe them, I'll see if I can... Oh, <laughs> so you don't um, there, there were two... The first one was, well, it it's, starts out what looks like a housewife who's clearly having issues getting her, ha- her floors and her surfaces clean. And it's obviously a play on the thing, you know, with the know-it-all lady comes in and says, you should be using X brand of powder or X brand of floor cleaner. And of course, it's, it's Bill in drag, but he comes in, he just goes <laughs> mad. And he's throwing powder around everywhere, sweeping things off onto the floor. And, and she basically then just goes, well, now how am I going to clean all this up? And this bloke's still running amuck in the kitchen. And it actually becomes an ad for a submachine gun that she goes in. <laughs> and then no, she just no, pulls, pull, that, pull, no, pulls no. out this submachine gun and, and shoots him. And that's the ad, you know, gets rid of unwanted guests fast or whatever. But it, it's quite funny because she's actually holding the barrel. <laughs> and, and she's clearly not pointing it at Bill. But I don't think... But that was the first one. And, and the second ad is a sort of a, an ad for BBC News. Uh, on two, which has sort of taken, you know, the sex and violence approach, you know, the see sexy women, see violence, see, you know, see that the, the host is the host with the most or whatever. And again, the, the submachine gun one was quite funny because that's a bit of a subversion of what you were expecting it to be. Yeah. But the news one was a bit meh. I mean, there's another nude lady in there, which which obviously <laughs> would, would have been cut, a topless lady, but uh, so that obviously would have been cut. Frontal I think. back. Uh, frontal. Topless. Really? Yeah, yeah. topless. Well, it's like the ones I've done that a couple of times. I think Bill has his sherbet trip. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, well, actually, this is the last time Bill has a sherbet trip. They actually yes. do the sherbet trip gag in the series, and, and they were apparently told not to do that anymore, so they <laughs> oh, dropped that. Right? Yes, apparently they, they were suggested to, and they might like to, to drop that as an idea. Really? So um, depicting police as brutal thugs is okay to do, but Tim yeah, because defensively that, sucking on a lady. Yeah, sure. I, mean, I, it, I must admit, I think it, it kind of works the first time as a gag mm. because it is that subversion, like it's only lemon, lemon sherbet, but it turns him on. By the third time you bring it out, not only is the gag sort of a bit old, but it's a bit of a plot contrivance as well. Yes. Like we need a way to explain the plot. Oh, we'll have a build has his lemon sherbet trip, and I actually quite like the fact they've moved away from that as a. Yeah, as, as, a, as a trope. I mean, look, there, there are, for people who spot through the episodes, he has actually still got the lemon sherbet in a few later episodes, but they don't do the whole plugging him into the okay. television gag again. Cool. Uh, what couldn't they get away with these days? Uh, well, the, the woman stripping off, clearly, for the, oh, well, the diversion, yeah. I, I think, would be one. The, the one that I got, and I think it's a case of just the change in the times, not the change in humour, was the vicar makes a reference to remembering Tim when he was four years old. Yes. These days, that might take on a tone. That it, um, I'm, I'm sure they didn't intend it. No, I, I think, it, I mean, that, that's more us probably putting current... Exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah. Could you satirise the military to the extent that they were, I suppose they thought that they were doing? I think you'd probably, if you're doing it now, you'd actually go more for the uh, corruption, industrial military complex. Yep. Yeah. Sort of, sort of approach. I think so. Yeah. 
Um, now, before we do our favourite live... I'm oh, sorry, were there any first times? I didn't have any, Dan. Mm, no, I don't think there's a, a no. first anything in there, I don't think. Mm. All right, so before we do our favourite lines, we were going to make a bit of a mention about the Australian screenings on this because this was one that I don't remember seeing on TV for a very long time. No, I, I, I first saw it... The, the ABC... I mean, here in Australia, when the ABC, as we, we've discussed earlier, once had episodes that they just flogged repeatedly. Um, you had the standard 30 or 40 episodes that they would just cycle through. This this I don't remember being on until much, much later. They did a run in the early 90s, I think, where they screened. I don't know if some of them for the first time, but they, they certainly screened episodes they hadn't been on rotation here. And this, this was one of them. The, the, uh, the Troughton episode, I think, was another from memory. And, and it was certainly the first time I'd seen it. I mean, the, the goodies... I don't know if it was one that was screened here, unlike the Playgirls Club, I don't know if it was one that was screened here sort of in the in the early mid-70s when the show first came. I, I have done a little bit of uh, turning topic ever so slightly. I've done a little bit of research on some of the early Australian screenings. It, it actually, we didn't get the goodies here until late 1973. And they showed, they, they debuted in Sydney. Um, back in those days, of course, each regional centre had its own... Um, had its own programming and broadcasting area, so we, they cycled the tapes around, as uh, we'd all know as being Doctor Who fans. Uh, Andrew Pixley's book, and I should actually just divert slightly more, I should put a, a, a honourable mention or, or a, a shout-out for Andrew Pixley's Super Chaps 3 book, which is a remarkably detailed tome and an excellent resource for anyone interested in the series. Absolutely. but Not only the series, but their entire their entire really. Their entire careers, really. He notes that uh, the original screenings here, certainly in New South Wales, were eight episodes, which were from series one. Well, there was the Playgirls Club. There was a number of series two episodes, the Loch Ness Monster, the Music Lovers, um, Art for Art's Sake, uh, Farm Fresh Food, Double Trouble, the Baddies episode. And they showed, also showed Snooze and the Commonwealth Games, plus, uh, plus the Beefeaters episode, which makes nine. He states that Brisbane got a longer run but uh, doesn't unfortunately give any specifics. So it obviously would imply that they bought more, but not everybody screened them. So using that as a starting point, I did do some research for here in Melbourne. And we first got the goodies on uh, December the 29th, 1973, which when it was shown at 8.10 in the evening uh, on a Saturday night, and they opened here with snooze. Really? Yes, and it was shown as a replacement, basically, for... It was in the, the season break when a lot of their regular programs clearly were, were having their, their end-of-year break. I was going to uh, say, did the Test match finish quickly that, that yes, season? Yes, clearly it must have done. Well, obviously it wasn't in Perth that, that, uh, that week, so they weren't yeah. showing the late, the late games. So it was obviously, as I said, we're obviously in the non-ratings period, so it was a filler. It then They then showed uh, the series across January, um, and it ended on February the 9th, so they only showed 7th here. That's assuming there was an episode on January 26th. Okay. But uh, now, which for our foreign viewers is Australia Day. Yes, which is Australia Day. The final episode shown here, it actually looks like the synopsis I found looks like it's for um, the women's lib episode or live free, because the synopsis given in the paper I found is, like too many men, the goodies treat women as second-class citizens. Tim tries the experiment of becoming a woman for a few days. So that very much seems like the woman's lib episode from the second well, season. Which, which is a notorious, rarely yes. screened one. Um, another yeah. rarely screened one. 
Unfortunately, the uh, newspaper archive I checked doesn't have the details of the episodes across January, so uh, I can see some time at the State Library for me in the next little while (laughs) on the microfiche, perhaps. Yeah, so, and then the series came back in, in late 74 when they started showing some of the season three episodes. Although, for going from the newspaper archives, I can see that actually seems to have bypassed us here in Melbourne. Okay. But they did screen the Beef Eaters here on Christmas Day 1974. So <laughs> they did show the Beef Eaters here at 5.45pm. Uh, it was a Christmas special. Oh. How? Or, or a Christmas yeah. day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I was going to say 8pm on a Saturday is actually quite a logical screening mm. time for the goodies. That, mm. I, I imagine it would sit quite well in there. Um, well, that was when the late show went out on the Saturday night. Uh, yes, late, late night. Yes, that's right. Yeah, so yes, there's a home for comedy on a Saturday evening, isn't there, in Australia? Well, Absolutely. I mean, it was also when they used to show stuff. I mean, they also used to show things like the good old days, if you remember that, that musical thing where people would dress up in period costume and mm. sit in like a musical type experience, but they'd actually show modern era acts. Sounds no, like before, hell. Before, <laughs> before my time. <laughs> Don't remember the good old days? No. 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 Okay, well, we'll certainly yeah, revisit, so, revisit some of that. So, so I, I will do some more. Uh, I will digging. do some more digging over the over the coming uh, over the coming weeks and see what else I can dig up for screening history because I don't I don't actually think there's ever been a screening history here, proper screening history here published. Well, you know what you can do in your next set of holidays. Woo-hoo. <laughs> Fantastic, <laughs> Andrew Pixley will thank you no doubt. Yeah, oh, well, I'm sure that that's probably uh, where it'll wind up. Perhaps if he's interested in it. <laughs> so we'll move on to our final segment, which is our favourite gags. Any nominations this week, gentlemen? Uh, well, mine's not a gag. Well, it's a sight gag. It's when they're uh, coming into Penruddin and the sign on the left-hand side says, uh, Penruddin welcomes careful drivers. And, of course, it's been damaged. Someone's actually hit it. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, Richard. Yeah. I, I had two. I had the, there was the joke about, you know, what horrible, unspeakable things go on in there and then they hear the toilet flush. Yes. There's another quite little scene where they go into the, the, secret, uh, the secret experiment room and they see the rats in the cages, and Graham sort of says, oh, these animals, they've had all sorts of, you know, terrible, degrading experiments performed on them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, and look, that, that wasn't bad. For me, it was the, the, the collection of visual gags and uh, names on the front doors of all the things in the thing, um, including the booby trap reference. So no, no real sort of laugh-out-loud lines, but you're right, there are no. a, few, a few nice little jokes in there. So that's good for the episode. I think we all agree... Well intended, but a bit flat, perhaps. Yeah, I think so. Yep, I agree. Fair enough. Well, we'll continue to explore the end of Season 1 and uh, just where the series is going next week when we have Cecily. Indeed. But until then, it's time for A Walk in the Black Forest. You've been listening to the Goodies Pirate Podcast, the Australian podcast that puts the good in goodies. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please do leave us a review on iTunes. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode or your thoughts on upcoming episodes. So please drop us a line by email at pirategoodiespc at gmail.com. Send us a tweet at at pirategoodiespc or find us on Facebook at facebook.com stroke pirategoodiespc. Goodies, goody, goody, yum, yum. hands toil swiftly that they may accomplish evil things. Deuteronomy? No, I just made it up myself actually. (laughs) Rather good I thought.